0: Delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV. Taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 478 of the two techies for Saturday, August 17th, 2019. This is the week's most notable tech stories in around an hour or less in podcast form. For the last nine and a half, or just over nine and a half years, we've talked about, discussed, analysed, debated, argued over all of those lovely objectives. The week's most notable technology stories. This week, how does Amazon choose? Smart ovens get a bit too smart. And could WordPress become a blogging monopoly? Thank you so much for joining us on episode four hundred and seventy-eight. Whether it's your first time listening, somewhere in the middle or the four hundred and seventy-eight, if it's that, well done. You've you've made it as far as we have so far. Nine and a half years or just over nine and a half years of Weekly technology news and stories. And it's only because of the ever fast pace which technology moves at that we can do that. Saying that, we'll drop the bombshell now, nice and early. There will not be an episode next week as one of us, I'll not say who, because we don't like to name drop, but one of us will be on
1: holiday. So I'm not on holiday next week. So I know I'm not naming names at this point, (laughs) but I think we can all do a little bit of detective work.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Thanks
1: for that. I wish I was on holiday. Mm, But you you don't like the heat. I don't like the heat. I is actually absolutely bucketing it down right now. And I am in my element.
0: You're loving life. Loving life. Are you outside in it? Is that I can't hear it.
1: I wish I could be. If the technology would survive, <laughs> I would do a do a rain episode in my, in my in my coat outside, just just sat there. That would be a, quite the British sight to see.
0: <laughs> um, this week again, it's that lull. So I'm I'm taking a holiday at the right time. Next, uh, guaranteed next week's the week where everything happens, isn't it? For the past four, five, six weeks have been steady and quiet enough, nothing major from any of the the big titans, as we'll call them. Next week, it'll
1: all just happen. Obviously, yeah. Them, I mean, that's 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 an almost guarantee. Whenever one of us or both of us go on holiday, it is uh, it is some kind of sign. The technology companies go, do it now, push it now, push the press release now, go, 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 go. go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but
0: no, nonetheless, an interesting show ahead. Amazon have been quizzed over their choice ratings. How do they choose? What's what's pushing them in that direction? Smart ovens, slightly uh, slightly king, is what we'll say. They've been preheating without you knowing overnight to four hundred degrees. It's fine. Absolutely fine. And then WordPress are making an acquisition, which could see them become a a monopoly of blogging, essentially, online. Before that, I think we'll move to the quick news. Yes.
1: On Thursday, the Federal Communications Commission reached a handful of settlements with media outlets following investigations into whether they misused the emergency alert system tone. The agency found that ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live, AMC's The Walking Dead, Animal Planet's Lone Style Law and Marulo Radio Holdings all misused the emergency alert system Tone, a sound that is blasted out the television and smartphones to warn people of emergencies like tornadoes, floods and missing children. The companies have agreed to pay a total of more than $600,000, in civil penalties for the violations. The FCC has a rule against using the tone outside of actual emergencies to, quote, protect the integrity of the system. That way listeners aren't confused when there's an actual emergency that warrants the alert.
0: Apple just released iOS 13 beta 7 to developers on Thursday, and people are already digging through the software to find hints about the rumored iPhone 11. It's been stated that the latest iOS 13 beta includes an asset that hints an iPhone 11 event date of September 10th. An image simply named Hold for Release includes the September 10th date on the calendar of the iOS 13 home screen. Apple uses this particular image for the -the out-of-the-box experience when you first set up the new iPhones iOS 12 includes a similar image with September 12th displayed on it, which is the date they announced
1: the iPhone 10s. Hundreds of workers were paid to transcribe voice recordings of Facebook users it has emerged. Facebook is the latest company to confirm it has used third-party workers to do such work following Google, Apple, Microsoft and Amazon. The practice had been halted, quote, more than a week ago. Facebook said workers were given audio of people's conversations but were not told how it was obtained, according to Bloomberg. Facebook said the recordings were being transcribed manually so that artificial intelligence systems used to automatically transcribe conversations could be improved. It added this had been done only when users had opted into transcription services, and given permission for microphone access. And finally, U.S. airline
0: safety regulators banned select MacBook Pro laptops on flights after Apple recently said some of their units had batteries that posed a fire risk. In a statement, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration said it was aware of the recall batteries that are used in some Apple MacBook Pro laptops and stated that it alerted major U.S. airlines about the recall. The Apple laptops in question are some 15-inch MacBook Pro sold between September 2015 and February 2017, Apple issued the recall in June, stating that it had determined that in a limited number of older generation 15-inch MacBook Pro units, the battery may overheat and pose a fire safety risk. I am not versed in the emergency alert tone I'm not versed in the regulations around it or the rules of using it or not using it but I would assume surely you would think production agencies and and the like would surely have some ounce of idea that that's probably not the best idea, no?
1: I think what you have to remember is we've established over I'd say many years but probably more recent years that television shows aren't exactly the most intelligent of uh, things half the time and often don't think about long term consequences and don't think that, you know, similar thing to where it seems to be happening more and more and radio seems to be doing it and it seems to be popping up more and more in music is things like police sirens in the background. Um, And all Mm -hmm. it does is it can numb you to hearing it when it's actually happening, when there is actually an emergency uh, services vehicle trying to get past or through or coming up or whatever. You need to be alert and and take the appropriate action. Whereas your brain, you know, it's heard it in, I don't know, the latest Top 40 song every day for the past three weeks, you just kind of become numb to that type of thing. A similar thing here. I don't believe we have anything similar in the UK, or if we do, I've never seen it used. In the States, um, they have a, a countrywide emergency alert and it blasts a tone and a message through TVs and through phones, smartphones included. Um, and you get a little message up. And I cause I think we spoke about it pretty about a year ago, a year, maybe two years ago, where I think Hawaii or something, um, it was like a mislabeled or a false information or something that caused a little bit of mass panic. Um, so it has been used. It gets used fairly frequently, I think, because I, I frequently read about people who are more probably annoyed by the tone than actually uh, served any useful information from it. Um, mm. So becoming more and more numb to it is is never going to be a, never going to be a good thing. Um, I think this is the right thing to do. Um, I think there has to be penalties for this type of thing um, because it's a. Uh, you know, it, it can be the difference between it's a life and death alert uh, potentially, um, and I don't think you can have TV shows or films or whatever misusing that, regardless of whether it's for you know documentation purposes. You know, maybe maybe it's not in like drama and whatnot, but if it's I think what well, I think the Animal Planet one, I think it was the Animal Planet one was one of them. It was it was filming the alert going off during a hurricane. I think so. It was a real life thing that actually happened, and I. I think that's what mm. they got fined for and it's like i think there does have to be a blanket just don't show the tone just you know change it do something else whatever it is
0: yeah a tone that we don't have um in the united kingdom but i mean that's neither here nor there but um yeah i mean it, it defeats the point if you're gonna have that system you might as well use it properly um and i guess imposing those penalties drastically reduces the chance of other networks programs industries what have you using it or even broadcasting it for in- purposes purposes which aren't real, I guess, to put it no doubt. And as you say, I mean, the whole point here is for this to be useful in the event of an emergency so you might as well not use it when there's a false alarm. Because obviously, you know, for example, you know, when you're in a shopping centre you're somewhere and a fire alarm goes off, you kind of have the feeling I mean, you, you shouldn't because that's complacency but most people kind of think, oh, look it's probably a false alarm. And it's the time when it isn't when you need to get out and that's the thing. So over time if, if that were the case, if it were to be used over and over and over and And there was no need for it then obviously people become complacent to it becomes redundant and loses any effect that it should or could have so yeah you're right there's there's a call for that and i think it's proving a point iOS 13 has dropped a hint. I kind of feel like Apple do this almost intentionally now. Anyway, this wasn't Apple before, but I mean, it, it, hold for release. Yes, I mean because that's very difficult to determine what that means, right?
1: Uh, to be fair, that's probably referring to because uh, it's part of the introduction thing. That could be referring to some kind of button press or something. But um, it's it. <laughs> we keep going on about it. Apple of old wouldn't do this. It's like this has been a thing that iOS has revealed every year since. Day- Day zero. They can't hide this stuff in iOS. It's impossible, and especially with more and more people just digging out, these assets have to end up in there. It's part of iOS 13. Um, mm. I mean, there is a point to be made that there is actually a lot of stuff missing from iOS 13 at the moment. What they don't include, and they have slipped up on a couple of times over the years, is assets that would give away any new devices or things that would give away any new features on devices. So there'll be bits of code missing. Um, There'll be a whole bunch of assets missing and they won't appear until after we know after that launch event so basically when it's gone goalbuster is when they'll all suddenly turn up um, but yeah it tallies around um, with where they usually or the time of year they usually hold that event um, Apple are known to hold it I think it's like second Tuesday or Wednesday of September for like the past five years or something like that um, yeah. so it, it's pretty safe bet to say it'll be September 10th and that's only well, what, three weeks away three four weeks away Um, which has rolled around really really quickly it does not feel like a year since the tennis came up and I'm, sh- I'm sure obviously the week before we'll probably talk a little bit more about what we expect but they've to say I'm not all that excited to be honest this is, no very no. excited I don't know just because you want to see Apple do well and maybe um, interested to see what they got this is kind of smartphone season we're entering now but the uh the S no the Note 10 just came out or just was just announced and felt very hoorah like. Like it just didn't, yay. We truly are at that point and we've said it, many people have said it, that plateau in smartphones. Smartphones aren't get, getting exponentially better every year. They probably are getting better every year. We're just kind of, we're at that ceiling of performance where it's as you know, quick as it can be. There was an interesting, I think John Gruber and Marco Arment were talking about it on the talk show last week. They were kind of pointing out how in the early days of the iPhone, um, Apple would do, and as Mac OS as well, Apple would do some tricks to make it look like things were faster than they were, they would do some animation trickery um, to kind of trick you into the, not seeing the slowness of certain things. And we are years past them needing any of that now. It's actually got to the point where year after year we're going, it feels like the animations are slowing this down. Um, because I think with iOS 12 or 11 they sped up things like the opening animation. And it's like people are like wow, this, field, this my phone is faster and it's like they could just <laughs> double the speed or half the speed I should say of an animation and people would go it's twice as fast where it's like mm. you know because we're past that point where we're trying to mask the hardware's ineptness <laughs> we're actually just in in software constraints now and um, I think they were, they were talking about Apple used to use this is a very interesting conversation actually yeah, people should go check out that talk show episode um, how Apple engineers would put high speed cameras to record animations on Windows XP back in the day and they would use that as their benchmark to, to, to be faster to write more optimized code and be faster and then when there was Saying when apparently when Windows 7 came out, Windows 7 was actually slower. They did the same thing, and Windows 7 was slower. And it was that surprising kind of 50-50 split with an Apple. Where it's like, oh well, we don't have to worry about speed now because our competition is slower. You know, the benchmark got reduced, and the eventual side that sounds like it won won over was the no, we're still going to benchmark against Windows XP. It's some quite when you hear the insider stories at companies like Apple, and I'm sure all companies do this, I think we just kind of hear about it more from Apple. You hear about the lengths that teams will go to for things like animations, things that you don't notice. The The only time you ever notice an animation is when it's causing you annoyance like it's going slow or it's stuck or something but most of the time and kind of rightfully rightfully so you shouldn't notice an animation but it's funny how many hours and it's fascinating how many hours days months go into things like that because it really is you know sweating the small stuff sweating the the details Mm. to build up a pretty fantastic OS and I'm sure that same story goes for many OS's over the years and I'm sure that same story goes for Android as well it's just it's crazy to hear all the the little stories there's some I forget the guy's name Ken, he put out a book recently. I listened to it on Audible and it's like he was part of the keyboard team for the iPhone. Some absolutely fascinating stories about, like, Apple were, the keyboard had to be right because it was the first one of the first, or an early version of kind of a touchscreen phone in that capacity. And because of what they were trying to do on it, the keyboard had to be right. People were used to Blackberries with their, you know, real keyboards or their their physical keyboards. But like, they went through years of trying to get that keyboard right in software um, and it's fascinating to hear all the little, because it's like, as we well, assume many of us know, with the keyboard on iOS I assume same on Android, that button is not the tap target there's like an invisible tap area above that button and apparently it learns how you type so it increases tap areas of certain letters to avoid you mistyping, because you're hit, trying to hit tiny little keys there, and also it knows that if you type that say, you know, a T that you're probably going to reach for an O, a H you know, certain letters are probably going to be the next letter so it massively increases the uh, tap target size I'll try and link the book in the in the show notes because it's an absolutely fascinating story and I just love all the little kind of stories and whatnot that make up these OS I have no idea, I, I can't remember how I managed to go from an image with a calendar date on it revealing a version of iOS to talking about the development of the iPhone keyboard. The skill. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tangenting. Tan- Tangenting.
1: Sorry for uh, sending you to sleep there.
0: You're alright. Facebook workers listened to messenger conversations. Now the, the thing here is I mean, is is this a ultimately and I'm not just saying because it's Facebook obviously it's Facebook we're not going to be surprised but overall okay a recording that went through a server that was processed that could potentially be used for other things is that a surprise not to me I'm not saying that's what we should be accepting but from all the news we've had the past month two months the past year about well Amazon listen to your Alexa recordings Google listen to your home recordings Apple listen to HomePod and XYZ and Siri and Cortana I mean this just seems to be the recognised norm now surely and the thing is I mean these workers were Paid to, to transcribe voice recordings. Google, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon—they've all said that it happens. The cynical side of me thinks: I mean, if is—is is, is Facebook doing this for advertising purposes? Because you know, what what, what are these people talking about? Oh, they like that, right? Let's stick that in their newsfeed. I, and I mean, that that could potentially be it because you do hear. Of people who have been... And I, I'm not saying whether this is true or not. And I'm... Conspiracy. I'm playing devil, devil's advocate. But, I mean, you know... Oh, well, I mentioned about XYZ in front of Alexa. And, and for some reason, Amazon was marketing those products to me. And I definitely didn't look them up. I mean, I don't know if that's substantial or not, or if there's anything to it. But I mean, if they're transcribing it, well, of course it could be, right? I mean, that that's not... It, it's it, That's easy to figure out. And I'm not saying, well, how dare they? They've said they're doing it, so what do you expect?
1: I don't doubt that there was a a side purpose almost to, to Facebook but I'll also throw Google and amazon in on there Apple don't really gain anything out of any nefarious purpose um while they're gonna sell you um, it's not like they can it's not like they're going to sell it to advertisers it's not like they can want to have any monetary value to gain from doing so um, and Siri mm. is really bad so I genuinely like to imagine <laughs> that Apple are probably using it to improve it um, whereas the others have got a pretty good Service. Um, I believe all of this has come to light. It, it was because of some EU ruling, wasn't it? Or something in Germany, I think. Um, and all of a sudden, they all had to. It's why they all suddenly stopped at the same time. Um, the one thing I would say, and th- this article came from the BBC, and you can see the headline there. Very, very clickbaity, let's poo poo on Facebook again. And I'm not going to sit mm. here and defend Facebook boys or anything, but Facebook workers listen to your messenger conversations or meant to messenger conversations. It's like, wow, that's oh no no, you know Facebook employees are listening into what I'm saying on messenger and then it's like oh no it was transcriptions and oh no it was transcriptions if you'd opted into the transcription service and then given permission for microphone access so it's another one of those grabby headline read the second paragraph or third paragraph whatever it is and be like oh oh, oh it's not okay it's it's not that bad it's not like they you mm-hmm. know Joe at Facebook was listening into your every conversation it's no people were getting paid trans- people were getting paid transcribe. You hear about uh, Facebook. I think The Verge did a thing on it last year. The people have to review content, review reported content and go through and review review content, they've seen some stuff on there, like some life-altering stuff, I imagine. Because with two billion users, you can imagine the horror that gets posted on there sometimes. I just can't imagine what yeah. these people have had to listen to to there? transcribe. Like, it's got to be of just like the <laughs> stupidest, the most hilarious, the weird. It is just, it just like a, because you're you're getting a very out of context snapshot into someone's life, aren't you? It must be very odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> um, and then the FAA, so the Federal Aviation, uh, um administration basically america's governing body for anything aviation related have banned certain recalled macbook pros from their flights that would be difficult to you know to identify those devices though in question that are banned because obviously not everyone going through that you know i would assume the security line or wherever they're getting stopped at or necessarily being stopped at check and saying oh do you have a macbook pro sorry i mean not everyone's going to you know well i what model do i have is that i don't know and you know so that's that's a difficult thing assume I'll- all devices run the risk of spontaneously combusting because they have batteries. Batteries can expand, they can combust, they can overheat, they can do a lot of things. Um, and it has happened before, midair. And I'm nearly sure a lot of airlines now have. <laughs> if your device begins to overheat, please let us know immediately, rather than just sitting and watch it go on fire in front of your eyes and doing nothing about it, because I think that is nearly what has happened before.
1: Use your common sense.
0: My, my phone's smouldering, should I, should I tell someone? Nah, or... keep <sighs> my hands
1: warm. Just leave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the one thing I would say um, is this, so, MacBooks have their model number printed on the bottom, so it's fairly easy to tell. And this is like a, we're just singling out MacBooks here, because they've been added to the list, but this rule from reading the whole Bloomberg article it covers just they have a list of recalled batteries and known things that are just like banned um, with their products yeah. and I imagine the Note 7 is in there as well um, you know just a yeah. long list of stuff and unfortunately as soon as a product gets recalled for batteries it gets added to the list and Apple are not exempt it's going to be tricky though because yeah. it's you're right <laughs> what we're we on there's 13 years of MacBook Pros now um, so you have to inspect everyone's model number assuming they don't have a case on,
0: but mine's been fixed or has it been? A- fixed?
1: Well, exactly. That that Did was it? gonna be the next thing. Is was it
0: that device I took in? I can't remember. Yeah,
1: but Apple have repaired mine. Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And and who who wouldn't say that just to get it on board as well? You know. Oh, you know. So, yeah, tough tough one. Right. Uh, we spoke about Amazon before. We're gonna speak about them again. They have been quizzed over their choice riddings. They have been asked to reveal how they decide which products get the Amazon Choice label on their online store. Two US senators have written to Amazon asking if they whether people or algorithms are making these decisions about what gets the label They're worried that it can be manipulated via fake reviews and can mislead customers. Amazon say they work hard to ensure reviews are accurate and real. They have until the 16th of September to respond to that letter, so just under a month. This comes after an investigation from BuzzFeed, the the online news site, which claimed many of the products in the choice category are either of poor quality or have their ratings boosted by fake reviews. Research suggests products getting the choice label sell better. Consultants from OC&C Strategy found that the products Awarded the choice label, see a sales jump of about 300%. So it's not a measly sum. And I guess that makes sense because if Amazon are saying, yeah, this is a product we are telling you to buy, well, then you're probably going to go for it. And I would too. I think I have in the past. I went, well, which one do I want here? Mm, Amazon Choice that gets the better reviews. Most people like that better. Yeah, it makes sense. And you would trust a user review because you don't trust what a product description always says, the best X, Y, Z, or A B C. No, it's what the user says. But the problem is fake reviews are almost impossible to spot now. So where where does Amazon get this? Is it based on the number of reviews? Is it based on the number of reviews in a set period of time? Is it based on... What is it? And so... Here's what they're questioning. It's also important because anyone using their Amazon Echo smart speaker to buy products in a category in which they have never shopped before will get a product bearing the choice label. So, Democrats Bob Menendez and Richard Blumenthal said, We are concerned the badge is assigned in an arbitrary manner or worse, based on fraudulent product reviews. A lack of transparency about Amazon choice means consumers were prevented from making informed choices. This is brilliant. I love this because it's not very often you get an in depth question like this posed to a company like Amazon. And I'm not saying there's any malpractice at play here, but it would be interesting to... Interesting to see what the response is, and it's nice that they're being put in front of a higher, more authoritative body rather than some news site. And I'm, I'm not um, taking away the work of Buzzfeed or any other site that's sort of found this out. But now they are accountable rather than just having it said about them, which is different. What do you instinctively think this is? I mean, I'm going to go off. I, I would say this is based, and this is me guessing. Choice is probably based off reviews, um, sales algorithms, and humans—a little bit of everything. But I could be wrong.
1: The what the, do you think the, the choice label? You- to be or i found it you used to be a pretty safe bet for the right thing but more and more and it can be pretty random when you search for stuff like it's it's just i don't know you, you, we're British so we're cynical by default but um it just feels when you look at that stuff when you look at like so product number one it costs 15 pounds and it has 10,000 reviews let's say product number two is 20 pounds or say the same price 15 pounds and all of a sudden it has like 50 reviews like i'm seeing a lot of that on our Amazon where it's just like just this like random product that has some astronomical number of five star reviews sprinkled in with a couple of like 10 or 12 uh, one star reviews in there. And because they're Amazon, they're always probably genuine and people going it lost in shipping. It's like that's not a review of the product, is it? But anyway, um, Amazon have had a fake reviews problem forever. So I think since they started relying on reviews, fake reviews have been a thing. It's not just a problem for Amazon. It's a problem for so many companies. Companies, Um, the Amazon Choice thing does feel a bit like guesswork half the time. Um, There have been certain categories where I've I've known the products very well and gone, yeah, it's definitely not the right choice. Um, And there have been others where I have been influenced. I think, like you said, to to go ahead and and pick that one because oh, Amazon recommend it. It's got the little tag, you go yes. Um, so it's, it can have quite a lot of powerful influence on people and I don't know what Amazon do. Um, I think the only way to, to actually make that label have any kind of meaning is to have it manually reviewed. Um, that Amazon choice label can only get put on things that have been manually verified. And that doesn't mean paid for, sent, whatever. That means I don't know, purchased, uh, maybe you have some trusted reviewers or something. Um, what, however it is, however it ends up working, I think it has to Be a human led, not just a, oh, this has lots of five star reviews. That's the choice. Yeah.
0: There has to be, I I mean, there's no issue with that being part of the contributing factor, but that alone, to me, doesn't constitute a product getting that label. It shouldn't, anyway. The senators want answers about the processes behind this choice and whether the products in the category are even ever checked by people to ensure they're not faulty or badly made. I mean, checking the reviews is one thing, verifying the purchases is another, but actually checking the physical products, I highly doubt it. Do you?
1: I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? That goes back to what I was saying, is that I think so much of this is based on a little bit of computer guesswork and just, a, oh, this is the popular one. We'll slap our Amazon choices button on this, whereas, like, actually, it it probably should be or does need to be reviewed by an actual human being um, before putting that, because, you know, it's quite an influential tag that I have on something. So I think that question, you know, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what, hopefully we get to know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Amazon come back with.
0: Full and robust answers are what they want. They are saying that it could prompt a further call to Amazon to change the way choice products are picked. It goes on to say, or we force it to change by some federal regulatory agency or by some legislation. Amazon said, Amazon invests significant resources to protect the integrity of reviews in our store because we know customers value the insights and experiences shared by fellow shoppers. They say they use both human investigators and automatic tools to find and remove fake reviews. It said it placed its reviews with work as I worked with social media sites to stop fake reviews being generated and took legal action against offenders. We work hard to enrich the shopping experience for our customers and selling partners with authentic reviews written by real customers. Customers can help by reporting any requests they get to manipulate reviews to customer service. This isn't just an Amazon problem. It's a problem for Amazon because Amazon are probably one of the largest, if not the largest, online retailer at the moment. So clearly, Amazon are getting picked on for it. But this is a problem around the whole of the internet, not just for um, purchases, but also, you know, fake news, fake reviews, fake stories, fake information. Unfortunately, when you have an open source product, platform, place, you're going to get opinions, you're going to get tweaked information, shall we say. And it's not always going to be factually correct. We go to Wikipedia, we expect that to be true. It might be, but it might also not be. And I know Wikipedia are very strong ricked on on editing and you know they always try and fact check and so on but that means nothing means absolutely nothing it doesn't mean it's true just because you read it online does not mean it's true just because someone said the product is great doesn't mean it is and because they said it isn't doesn't mean it isn't it's a difficult one so you have to approach all of these situations with a pinch of salt and make your own mind up on it what I would say the only thing Amazon in in themselves here have going for them is I would believe should you purchase something because you've made the fair assumption that it is worth purchasing because of review or because of their label or because of anything it says on the site, if you should for some reason decide it's not, whether it's broke, doesn't perform adequately, isn't what described and so on and so forth, not only do you have legal cover there, the Consumer Rights Act, which was previously seal of goods, you also have Distant Selling Acts in the UK, but on top of that, before you even get into that, Amazon, in my eyes, from what I've experienced, just have good customer service and typically returning things is never an issue. So I'm not defending this. What I'm saying is you should feel at least confident in purchasing with amazon at least um and that's from my experience i, I you you might be able to account for that and i'm sure you could yeah maybe was that a yes yeah
1: sorry yeah, yeah yeah
0: so all in all certainly one i'll be interested to hear back on but i don't think this is anything new i don't think it's anything new what could be new what could be new is your oven turning on randomly at night whilst you're sleeping and just hitting to 400 degrees? Yeah, sure, just uh, that or higher. At least three smart Jun ovens have turned on in the middle of the night and heated up to 400 degrees or higher. The ovens owners aren't sure why this happened, and Jun tells online news sites that the user are, is at fault. The company is planning an update that'll hopefully remedy the situation and prevent it from happening again, but the change isn't coming until next month. Brilliant. One owner's oven turned on around 2.30am, boiled at 400 degrees for hours while he slept, and he only noticed when he woke up four hours later. Nest cam footage the exact moment it turned on. The oven illuminates his empty, dark kitchen in a truly black mirror-like recording. The owner says that his wife baked a pie around 11.30 that night, but she turned the oven off once she took it out. The gin oven debuted in 2015, started at $14.95, a countertop oven that uses a camera and computer vision to identify food that's been placed inside. The company itself actually raised $30 million in funding, released its second generation version in 2018 for $599. It's billed as seven appliances in one. It's an air fryer, a dehydrator, a slow cooker, boiler, toaster, warming drawer, and convection countertop oven. It also pairs with an app that allows people to choose their temperature and cooking settings, as well as live stream their food as it cooks, thanks to the built-in camera. Just what we need. So, the first thing that you do not do as a smart company, which, and I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of this company before. June Ovens, have you, Aaron? Is, is this in your vocabulary?
1: Uh, no, because it's an American thing.
0: No. Yeah, but still, I mean, to most things are. Come on, right? No? Uh, no? Maybe? I think appliances
1: hmm. are pretty country to country.
0: Okay. Right. Fair enough. Was well, it? Okay. Right. I've never heard of it. And that doesn't mean that... Oh, I've never heard of it, so it shouldn't exist. But point being, I, I don't think they're as big as Nest. I don't think they're as big as Hive. I don't think they're as big as any of the smart appliance companies that we've seen thus far in the industry, that have a bit of clout behind them, which they almost could get away with something like this. Almost. But I don't think they would turn around and say, it's your fault. You did it. You caused it. Silly. That just seems like ignorance. And when it has something to do, I mean, okay, smart fridge, my fridge turned off, my milk's nice, sour, my butter's melted, and ugh, That hammer was gonna have's now off. Not the worst thing in the world. An oven at 400 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius. I'm guessing it was Fahrenheit. That's slightly trickier to sort of defend, in my eyes. Right, the washing machine turned on. There's nothing in it. We wasted a lot of water. Mm, That's annoying, but no one was harmed. The oven. Come on, right? This is serious. no, the, am, the, I, am, am I over-exaggerating the, the, here, what, the, Aaron? Am I maybe taking a, a moment of annoyance
1: the, that I shouldn't, the, or... The one thing I would say is to all three of those, I think you missed the point on a couple of them, they're all really bad. A washing machine turning on when you're not in the house is potentially a flood risk, as I've seen with one of our neighbours in the past two weeks. Um, the fridge turning off, if it turns back on, so if it's a fridge-freezer, if it turns off and then eventually turns back on, and you never, you never know it's done that, there's a lot of food that cannot be thawed out but, and then refrozen. <laughs> a really bad thing. <laughs> Right and then the oven, as well, as you said, just right. reading through it, it says uh, there's a second one documented that um a group member wrote that he roasted potatoes quality uh, around five p m one night and left them to cool <laughs> in the oven.
0: I hope he did it right now. I hear you don't put them in tin foil that's 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 the the, the the trick is you you sort of don't people think you wrap them in tin foil, apparently you don't get the crispy skin then you get them out immediately and it's, its all a it's a science look it up
1: um sorry uh put them put them in around five p m uh took them out and then left them cool. He apparently forgot to take them out. Uh, The next morning he awoke to find that the oven had turned on at 1.20am and a a baked at 425 degrees Fahrenheit by the way. Otherwise that'd be really warm. Uh, Four hours Mm. and 32 minutes. The potatoes still in the oven. 425 (laughs) degrees. Four hours and 32 minutes. I think you can see where this is going. Uh, Burnt to a a crisp. Um, He did say Uh, so so what he basically is he wanted roasted potatoes and he ended up with Walker's crisp. Um, What he did say is had i not left the potatoes overnight i may have not realized it turned on at all that's the scary thing um
0: so my question here is because i don't know the product well enough did it turn on because it sensed there was food in it because there's supposedly smart cameras in here that senses food and you can live stream and all that because the next twitch
1: revolution live streaming cooking
0: It, it makes Betty Crockett's cakes much more, you know, you don't have to open the oven to see the progress, You just look in. And then, because you all know that when you open the oven, the cake sort of sinks and it ruins it, right? No, But, but sorry, back back to more real talk. Is this a, a feature in the oven whereby it turns on if it senses something sitting there to heat it up,
1: and that's why they're blaming the user? I fail to see how it's the user's fault. It's not the user's fault. It's never the user's fault. Welcome to PR. Um, so the kind of the two cases we've read one of them is there was a food item still in there still shouldn't have come on but there was a food item in there so if it does come on when it senses something bearing in mind I'm not sure the AI technology is working because it detected that a potato needs to be cooked at 425 degrees for four and a half hours last time I checked roasted potatoes don't need that temperature or for that long Um, no. so even if it did that's one thing the other one was there was nothing in it and it came on, um, it, it, I mean, completely at night. So It's not like the door opened or there was some interaction with it or there was something you could blame it on. It just happened in the middle of the night. That's both of them happening in the middle of the night, by the way. So there is a common occurrence. Huh? Um, third owner, late July, that a phone woke her up at 6.30 a.m. with a push notification saying that her oven had preheated to 400 degrees Fahrenheit and was ready to cook. Uh, she wrote that she had previously been unplugging her June every night. Uh, after she heard the initial reports about ovens turning on in the middle of the night. This is dangerous and unacceptable, and I certainly don't want this oven coming on while I am on vacation. June CEO Matt Van Horn says that owners, not the oven, are at fault, as you've said. We've seen a few we've seen a few cases where customers have accidentally activated their oven preheat by a device bigger your cell phone. Hang on a minute. Hang on one whipper snapping moment there, Mr. Matt Van Horn. You're sitting here as a company, you're sitting here and blaming you. Users. You're now sitting here and basically calling your users a bit stupid, because you're saying activated or have accidentally activated their oven preheat via a device. You think these people are just randomly waking up at two in the morning and going, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to preheat the oven. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, 400 degrees. Maybe it's
0: you know, you know, sleepwalking, sleep talking, Sleep preheating your oven. You know, maybe it's just sleep activating your oven. That's a new thing. It's just... <laughs> That's just... So, oh, it, it goes on, it goes that. on, it's brilliant, sorry, it's, it's it goes on, it goes on. He says, so, imagine if I were to be in the June app clicking recipes and I accidentally tapped something that preheated uh, uh, my oven. We've seen a few cases of that. A two in the yeah, morning. Yeah, we've seen a few cases of it. Yeah, we've seen a few cases of it. A two we've a... seen a few cases of it, Aaron, so it must be Who, true, yeah.
1: Who's, going, who's browsing recipes going, mm, it's two in the morning, a better look at roasted potatoes. Oh, mm. what? Are you, you can't actually be sitting here going, like, any responsible company, Company would go, this is clearly an issue, we're going to look into it, we'll come back with a proper response. Not instantly go, users are idiots. <laughs> so,
0: what, what, what it further says. Jun's shipped one owner a new oven in response, but, 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 it said it was because of an unrelated issue, of course. Uh, Jun's support team blamed Amazon's Alexa assistant for another owner's accidental preheat, says it's worked with Alexa team to figure out what exactly happened. One owner did say he could have potentially tapped something on the Jun app when he forced closed all of his apps that night before bed, and Jun says, that's what happened. 100%. Definitely what happened. Yes. <laughs> it's a really wonderful feature to be able to remotely preheat your oven, and it's a completely new world that's very exciting. And there's things that happen, Van Horn says. People have always joked about the butt dial, but didn't mean to call you. And these things are just the type of things in software that we have to be mindful of and build great features around to make our customers happy. Yes, but building good features means that making sure this can't happen. Not blaming your customers. Idiot. I'm sorry, but the minute any company turns around and says, it's your fault. We don't know what happened, but it's your fault. You must have been you. Come on, that really annoys me, especially when it's something as dangerous as this. I mean, surely there has to be some sort of feature built in that you have to I mean, even request the owner to put a pin code in to use it. You know, light bulb moment. Enter your pin to start the oven. If you don't enter your pin, it'll just turn off after 30 seconds. Can we not do something with this? Can we not make it a bit more foolproof than that? Regardless of who's to blame, whether it is your your stupid customers as you're calling it, or your stupid app, or your stupid product. It's all a bit stupid when it's not built to actually work properly. You know, we...
1: (sighs) I I think you just stumbled across the nail on the head there though. We're sitting here going, oh we're, listening, we're reading the CEO going, they're clearly accidentally tapping it and doing this and the other. It's like, so what you're saying is your app has severe UI and user experience issues because...
0: No, but it's the, it's the user's fault, Darren, because well, no. the user shouldn't be tapping well, it, right? No, 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 no. But no, that's no, what I'm saying.
1: He's blaming yeah. users for their own UX stupidity because you're exactly right. Preheating your oven, not something you need to do frequently. It's not like turning on and off a light bulb where you just want to shout at your device to do it. And there isn't much penalty for that happening, you know, at the wrong time. Falsely preheating an oven or anything like that, potentially a very dangerous situation. Mm. That's a UI issue in your app. If you're getting multiple cases, and I'm sure there yep. are people who aren't talking about it who this is happening to, I'm sure there are people who this is happening to who aren't even aware it's happening. If you're talking about multiple people who are having this issue, spoiler alert, not the user that's this issue. It's you. If more than one so- more than one person is having this accidental issue in the app, it's an issue with the app. I don't know how, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Um And I've seen a few people just reading through various comments, it's like, oh, heard it, heard, uh, people are too lazy to pre. It's like, we could say that by literally anything now. It's like, I think a few years ago we were going are people really too lazy to turn their lights on and off? Yes. Yes they are. I am one of those. Well, I mean,
0: it's it's, it's it's quote, you could say lazy, but it's also a convenience factor, and I'm not saying, oh, you're sitting at your desk and you just can't, oh, uh reach over to the light. No, it's more, well, I'm 20 miles from home. It's dark. I want to turn the lights on for getting home or so that someone thinks there's someone in. If someone wants to break into my house, oh, there's a light on. Maybe there's someone in there. Maybe I shouldn't break in. You know, those kind of things. And that's when it becomes convenient. And smart homes boil down to convenience. A smart oven. I mean, I kind of get the idea preheating I mean it almost is a little bit lazy it's almost a, a bit of a useless feature because really you, you wouldn't want your oven on without being in the house I mean that just sort of almost rings common sense but regardless of what's at stake or the reason why a, a customer would purchase the product you would surely think that a research and development team of any company building any product would say if they're, if they're smart enough to build a product this good which if it's as good as they say it is then surely they could build foolproof features into it I mean the, the Van Horn the CEO posted in a Facebook group that the June team takes accidental preheating seriously and they're working on to address the issue it's funny how he says they take accidental preheating seriously as if again it's the consumer's fault it's not oh well we, we might have a problem with their product he says the team will issue an update in September that will allow owners to disable remote preheats. Remotely starting preheats will set, still be allowed by default, however, allowing over- owners to disable them, um, well that could be a step in the right direction. It might not be far enough. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Next year, June plans to update its solvents with the ability to recognize when there isn't any food inside it. The heating elements will be turned off after a certain amount of time the food isn't detected. He says the feature will work similarly to when Netflix asks users if they're still watching after programs has been playing automatically for a while. Yeah, because, I mean, I fallen asleep watching a Netflix program is exactly the same thing as your oven turning on when you're not aware of it at 400 degrees Fahrenheit, 200 degrees Celsius in the middle of the night. Yeah, sure, it's the same thing. Or when you're not in the house at all. And how's it going to take the next year? I mean... It almost seems like they've shipped an MVP product, and then sort of thought, well, "Well, we'll worry about the problems after." But if some something pops up, we'll just blame it on the user. This, I don't know. This really throttles me because, and it's only because there's safety involved here. Why? And and this is this is exactly the th- so if someone's house goes on fire. How many people will say, "Oh, well, this is exactly why I don't want a smart house technology. It's just a hindrance." How many people will turn around and say, "Oh." Well, <laughs> Nope, not for me, because look at that house that went on fire with that remote oven. I get it. Customer negligence, consumer negligence, user negligence. Yeah, it can all boil down to it. You know, you, At the end of the day, we, I, can't, I, I can't say for sure that it wasn't a customer or user. But when more than one, more than two, three, four, five, six, when more than that many people start reporting these problems with a product that isn't that ubiquitous, you would almost seem to think they have a development problem, a user interface problem, a GUI problem, a UX problem, not so much a user problem problem. Um, and the fact, regardless of who's to, def- in fact, you know what, regardless of who's to blame here, w- w- say say even the consumer is 100% to blame, regardless, the fact that these situations occurred in the first place speaks to the broader fear of connected devices. A connected oven might seem cool at first, and in theory, it's probably better to get a notification about it being on instead of discovering it's on when you walk in, but also comes with the added risk of it happening and you not knowing about it. 2019, these are issues that people have to grapple with. Will I accidentally turn my oven on while I'm scrolling on my phone in bed? Almost seems not worth it now, doesn't it? It just, you know, just what happened to a Switch? It's it's off. Wow. Lesson one, Jin. Don't blame the customer when it's not the customer's fault. I don't have a lesson to learn.
1: No, I think uh, I think we've we've spoken so much over the years about kind of the extremes, and we're still in the fairly early stages of Internet of Things. Um, yeah. And I think we are start doing, or probably over the last little while, we've started to see the oh, this is why you don't buy version one or two. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But wait, are you blaming the customer?
1: Sorry. Oh no, I'm blaming the company. That's exactly. You better not be blaming the customer. Yeah. Customer's always right. <laughs> (laughs)
0: All right, uh, finishing us off for this week, something a little less uh, delicate to discuss. WordPress owner Automatic, that's with two Ts, are to acquire Tumblr. Verizon announced this week that sold blogging platform Tumblr to Automatic, the company behind WordPress. The transaction is valued at a nominal amount, uh, despite Tumblr having been once sold by uh, acquired, sorry, by Yahoo for one point one billion dollars. As part of the deal, Automatic will gain two hundred staffers from Tumblr. Verizon said to have discussed a sale of Tumblr with a handful of different companies, but ultimately landed on Automatic. The sale price isn't material to Verizon. Today's report says, citing people familiar with the matter, "I don't believe that the sale price isn't material to Verizon. Nope, doesn't matter." You know, I mean, if Automatic had kind of offered them ten dollars for it, they probably would have just said yes
1: because they wanted to go with Automatic. I, I mean, they who makes this? They up? did basically. Ten dollars isn't far away from how much they bought it for. One point one billion dollars sold six years later for three million. Three million.
0: But what were they offered from other vendors? I mean, isn't yeah? You know, I mean, is Tumblr Tumblr really isn't that? Is it really? Should I say it? Is it that popular? Well, it
1: was, and then it was.
0: Yeah, they, but I mean, so it was MySpace at one then point. Then they got rid they of that.
1: Uh, Then they got rid of all the explicit content, and it turned out the value went down with that.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? It's weird. People... People... People are just weird, Internet works in
1: they. mysterious ways. Um,
0: you hear originally acquired, as Aaron said there, in 2013 Tumblr for $1.1 billion in cash. From there, you hear he was acquired by Verizon in 2017, placed under its Oath subsidiary. The seal of Tumblr comes as Verizon plans to revamp its struggling media group, which houses properties including TechCrunch, Huntington Post, Engadget, and more. Didn't realize Verizon owns so many sort of offsides.
1: Yeah, they're uh, man of a few other big. Uh, companies like that. They went through a purchasing spree probably three, four years Mm. ago, maybe even longer actually, where it just felt like every tech news website, you could start a tech news website and then a week later, Verizon, Comcast, Viacom, whoever it was, was going to buy you. Um, And that's really what happened to a lot of them. I mean, I think you joke a bit about how Verizon, you know, I imagine they did probably go to the highest bidder, but at the end of the day, $3 million. I mean, they made 1.8 in a quarter. Yeah, Q2 2018, Verizon and generated $1.8 billion in revenue. $3 million is like, it's nothing to them. That's not going to make a dent in anything. That's like some rounding error somewhere, isn't it, for them? Um, so imagine that is just trying to get people off the payroll. Um, you mm. know, assets out of the building type thing, isn't it? And, th- and whoever was going to pay for it could have it. Um, it is funny. It's kind of a shame. Um, Tumblr I didn't even feel that long ago. Tumblr was at the height, um, I think, when it was sold. One of the biggest social media platforms on the Um, and it was for a very long time at that point and then it just, a number of things, um, obviously some strict content rule changes uh, and just other platforms kind of catching up and just the snowball effect of of people leaving social media sites and we see it all the time, we see it with lots of different apps over the years Um, and here we are with WordPress obviously they're, probably at their height they were the two biggest competitors with each other and now WordPress is like, WordPress is massive I think people actually fail to understand Understand how big WordPress is. There's a stat. If you go to WordPress.org, my favourite website. Mm, there's a there's a stat somewhere. I can't remember where it is. Um, it's something like 30 something percent of the web. Yeah, here it is. Trusted by the best. 34 percent of the web uses WordPress. That's not thirty four percent of blogs. That's not thirty four percent of like e commerce sites. That's thirty four percent of the entire web. It's crazy, Jesus isn't word. it? WordPress is huge. <laughs>
0: I mean, that that either I mean, and 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 I know which one it is here. That either says the web's really small for what it is, or that shows how diverse WordPress actually is. And I, it's the latter there. It's it, WordPress has became not not a blogging platform, and that's I think it was important to note here. WordPress and Tumblr were for quite some time similar. WordPress and Tumblr are no, not in any way similar in 2019. WordPress is a CMS platform, but it's so much more than that. You can create so, so much with it. I know even over the last two, three years, Aaron, you, you would be able to say the proper time frame I, I, better than myself, but I would say two, three years. Even the last year, it's became so much more powerful with what you yeah. can potentially do with so, it. So,
1: WordPress has always been known for... WordPress was... It, it definitely was primarily a blogging platform if you look in the admin system even today it's clearly very focused around having a few pages and then writing posts. That's how WordPress emphasizes itself. Whereas you look at something like Drupal and Drupal doesn't categorize things. It's just content. You figure out what that content is, you create your views and whatnot and you tell it how that content is formed but it's just content, you know, the C in CMS. Whereas WordPress is still very pages and posts. And you can do lots of custom types on, on top of that. WordPress is like, as it's tried to break that mold over the years, it's become infinitely expandable. I love WordPress. I work with WordPress pretty much every day in my job. Um, and It's it's absolutely become one of my favorite platforms to to, to build upon, to expand, because it's pretty much infinite what you can do with it. Um, And past, so with the launch of Gutenberg last year or this year, uh, WordPress tried a new editor to kind of move away from that. Because, you know, it is you go to add a post and it's a here's a title field, here's a giant content area. You know, yeah. very limited, very bloggy very much like what Tumblr was. Is. Mm. Um, WordPress tried to move to, to... <laughs> You're preempting <laughs> yeah, it. WordPress tried to move to it towards Gutenberg or has moved towards Gutenberg uh, which is a very block orientated system and it's very flexible and you can have lots of elements on a page and it hasn't gone amazingly well. I'm still using the classic editor just because in reality I build all my own custom stuff anyway because I want something different most of the time. Anyway, it's actually very rare that I I just want a block of text now. Um, but I think even for people that, you know, pay, want a little bit of expandability that they've moved the way to, unfortunately, other, you know, plugins like Visual Composer and Elementor and whatnot. One of the things Tumblr always did really well is it had a great editor, suits lots of different content types, has a great reblogging thing or system, I don't know how you call it. Very social networky. something that Word WordPress has always fallen down on its editor. People have always mm. gone, WordPress is amazing bird its editor. And that's why there's so many plugins and solutions for the editor because so many people have tried to to correct that and build their own thing. I'm a big fan of a plugin called Advanced Custom Fields because it's like infinitely expandable and it's developer friendly. Um, So we spend all of our time trying not to use the built-in WordPress editor. And I think $3 million and if they get one thing out of Tumblr, apart from obviously user base, I want to see that that blogging editor come to WordPress. I imagine it's going to be a WordPress.com thing and not a WordPress the org feature um, mm. but I think many people would be happy if, if that kind of social element can be brought to wordpress.com uh, from Tumblr That's I think it's something we've always felt that, that Tumblr's been generally better at
0: really here this is WordPress showing their dominance this is them showing their presence as what I would say a leader in a- of the web built using their system. It's a third, just over a third. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. What this means for WordPress, exactly from both Tumblr and Automatic, it means that they, well, I mean, it means growth, doesn't it? Because whilst Tumblr's not that big, they are, I mean, they wanted this for a reason. What they say is they'll look for ways WordPress.com and Tumblr can share services and functionality. I wouldn't expect that anytime soon. I don't expect immediate changes, but I I, I certainly think they'll do something with it. And and if anything, I've just learned how diverse WordPress actually is, how big of a a how big of a concern they are.
1: Yeah, it's often hard to explain to people. It's like, no, no, no. not 34% of blogs. It's 34% (laughs) of everything. Um, There are so many websites, big or small, that you can right-click and inspect on the web. And if you see WP content or WP includes or or whatever, referenced anywhere in there, that's a WordPress site. Um, And I think this is also a good thing for Tumblr. I think, flip side, let's, let's look at what Tumblr get out of this. I think for the 200 staff, assuming they will get kept on, obviously, automatic and, and WordPress uh, as a byproduct acquire a bunch of talented CMS blogging, you know, website people um, which is right up their street and I think those people then get to go work on more cool products. I imagine being owned by Verizon is like being owned by, well I mean it is literally being owned by a giant corporate company that doesn't really feel like the right fit for this type of company. Tumblr still feels very startupy They all do. All tech companies still have that kind of startup vibe to them that just doesn't fit in that corporate world that Verizon live in. Um, so I think it's a good thing for the staff at Tumblr as well. I think this is this is probably going to be a, a, a breath of fresh air assuming they'll stay.
0: Mm. Well, that's the key, isn't it? Assuming they stay. MySpace, anyone? Does anyone remember? No? <clears throat> exactly. Hey. <laughs> but I think WordPress have a bit more than that, a bit more clout than that at this point. 34% of the web. That's crazy. High. 34%. Where'd that come from? Unbelievable. What is also unbelievable is blaming the consumer for your turn. Anyway, I digress from that. Thank you so much for joining us on episode 478. It's what makes it worthwhile doing and and, and that's why we've been doing it for the last nine and a half years and on up to 478 episodes. As we said at the start of the show, no episode next next week. So there'll be no episode for Saturday, August 24th. We'll be back on the 31st for the last episode of the month. Until then, you can find other episodes on over at Munch. TV. If you're listening on your mobile device, MunchTech.tv forward slash mobile. For a newsletter, it's forward slash newsletter. For our book, podcastassist.com and MunchTech.tv forward slash book. And last, but definitely not least, our interview with Steve Wozniak, co founder of Apple Computing Pioneer and Engineering Genius, MunchTech.tv forward slash was. Thank you so much once again for listening. Have a great, safe, and enjoyable two weeks. And we will see you same time, same place on August 31st. Until then, bye bye. Bye bye.